Hey everybody, super grateful that you've joined us again on the Lead Volunteers Podcast. We're in the middle of a five-week series on how to multiply yourself in ministry. Hey, listen, if you haven't caught the first two episodes, definitely go back and check those out. We have one that's based on Moses, we have another that's based on the ministry of Elijah and Elisha, and we now are teed up to talk about the ministry of Jesus himself. Jesus Christ truly personified ministry multiplication, and we're grateful that you've joined us for this five-week series on how you, yes you, the ministry leader, can multiply yourself in ministry. Now I'd be remiss to not say the kind of overarching quote for this series. Ministry success is not measured by what you do. Ministry success is measured by what would happen if you never came back. Well, I'm super grateful that you're here. Let's jump into the episode. Hey, hey, welcome back, Jeff. How's it going? I am doing well. We are into this little marathon we have, this five uh, week series on ministry multiplication. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Yeah, episode three, we kind of left last week talking about a little bit of uh, some practical ways that we can help multiply ourselves and right. just help our ministries continue to thrive for years, generations beyond us even. And so we we knew that this episode would kind of be some even deeper practicalities yes. on how to make that yes. happen. And so we're looking at the life of Jesus and how he multiplied himself and just kind of a few different uh, examples through the life of Jesus. What yep. better way to... What, what better place to look when, right. when you're looking for um, perfection? Perfection, really. exactly. And, so. and, and, and what we're going to share on this particular podcast is truly um, embodied and emulated through the life of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on, on our previous episode, episode, or let's see, uh, installation number two of this ministry multiplication thing, at the end you were like, okay, great. Life of Elijah, life of Elisha. Like, how do we practically do this? And in my mind, I was like, great answer or great question. Excuse me. The answer is episode Mm -hmm. three in our little series here. And so that's where we're at today. We're talking about how to multiply yourself in ministry. And we're going to get very practical about how to do that. But we're going to start with, of course, uh, the story, the story of Jesus. And that's been one of the hallmarks of this particular series on ministry multiplication is that we're taking not really a, a prescriptive approach, though this one will be a little bit more prescriptive. We're taking kind of a descriptive approach about how we see through the life of Moses, how ministry multiplication manifested. We see through the life of Elijah and Elisha and how ministry multiplication slowly played out in their lives. And so we're going to tell a little bit of the story of Jesus and we're going to, we're going to pick it up from there. Well, uh, Jeff, a lot of people don't realize that Jesus said three very, very, very basic things. He came onto the scene. Uh, it kind of picks up in the book of, of Matthew chapter 4. And Jesus says these words, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. And then, so that's what he said, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. And then he did three things. So, he said, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. He cast out demons, opened the eyes of the blind, and uh, healed diseases. Mm-hmm. So he you know, he, he said, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. And then he did signs and wonders. Fair. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Matthew four, that takes place. And then as you would expect, those signs and wonders 
brought about in his radical approach to to communication brought about people following him mm-hmm. and there was just people were very 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 curious and then we see this segment of scripture Matthew 5 6 and 7 commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount mm-hmm. and this is when Jesus was speaking to probably 5,000 plus people on the side of a grassy area whatever and the people had kind of sat down and he began to teach them and he did direct teaching to a whole bunch of people mm-hmm. and let's let's refer to that as the masses mm-hmm. and Jesus spoke to the masses yeah. and then you so again let's review you got Matthew 4 Jesus is now saying out loud repent the kingdom of heaven is near he's casting out demons open the eyes of the blind heals the sick mm-hmm. he then goes on to a mountain Matthew 5 6 and 7 and he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount then Matthew 8 and 9 come, and there's this group of people who were so enamored that they followed Jesus wherever he was going. Scripture uh, uh, gives, gives a lot of uh, little stories in that little uh, segment or era, and, and scholars would say this is probably around 150 to 125 people who were this traveling cohort that followed mm-hmm. Jesus wherever he went. Mm-hmm. So, of course, on the Sermon on the Mount, we have the masses. Then this next group in Matthew 8 and 9, we have what I would call the core. Mm-hmm. This group of people who who kind of like peeled off from the masses and were quite interested in what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So this group of 125 people were cruising around with him throughout Capernaum, throughout kind of the Decapolis, the 10 cities, the 10 regions. And he was around the Sea of Galilee with this group of 125 people kind of following and watching and listening. Again, he was opening the eyes of the blind, healing the sick, casting out demons and saying this phrase, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. Mm -hmm. So that was the theme. Great. Well, then at the end of Matthew 9. Now, Jeff, now, are you a guy who gets a new Bible like every other year, or have you had a Bible for a really long time? Uh, the Bible I've had now is probably, yeah, five or six years old. So okay. I've held on to this one for a while. You betcha. So the one that I'm pointing at right over here on my little stand in my office, that particular Bible I've had for 27 years. Wow. So it's my kind of go-to mainstay mm-hmm. Bible. And over time, as you know, you're kind of like, oh, and I don't know exactly the reference, but I know what the page looks like. Oh, I mm-hmm. know it's about yeah. three quarters the way down. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, in my Bible, Matthew 8 and then Matthew 9 ends at the very bottom of a column, and Matthew 10, 1 starts a brand new column. Whatever. So at the end of Matthew 9, it's mm-hmm. like this hard stop. An interesting thing happens. It's very common. A lot of people know this passage. Jesus says these words. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might raise up workers to be in his fields. You know that passage, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, every ministry leader is like, oh my word, yeah, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Mm -hmm. Okay, quick parenthetical. If Jesus himself said that the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, you can pretty much take that one to the bank. Hmm. We're never going to have enough. Make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. He's going to provide. He's going to produce his ministry results, but it's typically going to be with fewer than we might think, right? Mm-hmm. So he says, harvest is plentiful, workers are few, but his big therefore, his call to action is, therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might raise up workers. 
Okay, that's the end of Matthew 9. Now watch carefully. Matthew 10, if, of course, you're looking at me as we're doing this podcast. 10, Matthew 9 is down here, the end of a column. Mm-hmm. Matthew 10, 1, brand new start. And it says, Then Jesus went to a mountainside by himself and prayed all night long. Mm-hmm. So what did he tell us to do? Harvest is plentiful, workers of you, therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest. Jesus himself goes to a mountaintop, prays to the Lord of the harvest, and he comes down off the mountain, and the scriptures say, he selected from among the people, that's the core, that 125 that were cruising with him, it said mm-hmm. out of the people he selected the 12. So Jesus goes to a mountain, prays to the Lord of the harvest to raise up workers, and he comes down and selects the 12. Mm-hmm. Now, interesting. He says to those 12, I want you, this is now Matthew 10, a bunch of red letters, right? Because Mm -hmm. he's sharing this, he's giving orders to these people. He says this, I want you to go out and say these words, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. Mm -hmm. I want you to cast out demons, open the eyes of the blind and heal the sick. The very things that were recorded that Jesus did in Matthew 4 by himself, he has now said to these people, I want you to do these very things. Mm -hmm. Now there's six of him. And you're like, wait, six? I thought there was 12. Aha, hang on. He sent them out two by two. Yeah. And so now there was seven of these things happening. Almost in a sense, seven of these beacons who were saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near and doing those unique signs and wonders. Mm-hmm. So he had now duplicated himself three times over. Make sense? Yeah. So now there's this group of people that are out now doing this work. They come back. Oh, and by the way, you only told him. He said, hey, go, don't bring anything with you. You're fine. Just don't, don't bring an extra coat. Mm-hmm. Don't bring a bag of money. God's going to provide for you. Just trust me. And he said, no, so for now, well, he didn't say for now, but he said, don't go to the Gentiles, only to the Jews. Mm-hmm. Okay. They go out and do that. Interestingly enough, then, this is going to come back later in our episode here. Jesus takes them to a mountaintop all by themselves And they have a moment of reflection. They stop everything. And he said, hey, how did that go? And they were like, oh, my word. We saw angels ascending and descending. And we saw miracles. And what we we said, we watched demons be cast out. We watched eyes of the blind opened. They were blown away. And here's what Jesus says to them. He said, that's great. But never forget that your name, your individual name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I mean, he, he brought it all the way to, that's great that you're doing these wonderful ministry things, but you yourself have been saved. Your name's written. Fair? Mm-hmm. Then, a little bit later, time goes on, and he creates the 70. Now, some people say the 72, and some people say 72 by 2. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. So the, the translation isn't exactly perfect, mm-hmm. but there was the sending out of the 70. So now, he said the same thing to them, Jeff. He said, go out and say these words, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near, open the eyes of the blind, heal the sick, and um, uh, cast out demons. Mm -hmm. So what he did first, again, I hope I'm not belaboring this, Mm -hmm. what he did in Matthew 4 by himself, he then had the disciples do, the 12, the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Then he had then, quite a bit later on, 70 do this very thing. Mm -hmm. He had systematically multiplied himself. And by the way, where did these people come from? Well, they came from out of the masses and there were some that kind of peeled off and they were the core. And then from inside of the core, he picked 12. Now somebody might say, well, how did he pick the 12? Now that is an interesting little commentary. 
there are two things that I think about. Number one, there were those who were faithful and Jesus, his very own eyes saw those people within the core. Fair? Mm -hmm. There was a human element to his eyesight seeing certain people who were standing out. He saw Peter, that he was aggressive. He saw uh, uh, Andrew, who had great compassion and seemed to, to, to be able to gather people around him. Okay? So he humanly saw them. But don't ever forget that there was a spiritual component that he went to the mountaintop and prayed to the Lord of the harvest and God did some type of spiritual revelation. God the Father did some type of spiritual revelation amongst his son. Make sense? Mm -hmm. There was a human and a spiritual component. My point is this. From inside of that grand group of people, there was another set. Inside of that bigger set, that 125, he picked the 12. But Jeff, inside of the 12, he had Peter, James, and John. Mm -hmm. Those were people that he brought into a healing. Those were people that Peter, James, and John. He didn't bring the 12 up on top of the Mount of Transfiguration. He took just those three. And on the, while they were up, there's a massive, unbelievably cool thing. But then he said to them on the way down, hey, listen, guess what? Don't tell anybody that this happened until after the Son of Man has been killed and raised from the dead. And they're like, huh? <laughs> right? So my point is, that Jesus did special things with Peter, James, and John. I mean, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he didn't invite everybody mm-hmm. to the deeper area. I mean, they all the 12 were there. But he said, hey, Peter, James, and John, come just a stone's throw from me, and I want you to pray intensely. So he, he was calling out those three in very unique ways. You've mm-hmm. seen that in Scripture, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there was this ever increasing layer of connectivity to a fewer and fewer and fewer people. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, there was John, the disciple upon whom Jesus loved. Mm -hmm. Uh, John was the one who outran Peter and was the first man, the Mm -hmm. first human male to go into the tomb. Uh, John was the one who, when Jesus was on the cross, he looked down and said, mother behold your son son behold your mother he had a special inclination for john in addition when they were in the um uh upper room and and he said hey somebody here one of you is going to betray me well then john leaned into his breast and whispered into his ear hey who's who's the one and jesus said to him the one who dips his bread in the cup that's going to be the one so john had this heavy duty deep insider knowledge Mm -hmm. more than peter james did so far so good yeah okay so what i want to by the way somebody at one point i remember in a national conference somebody raised their hand and said so are you telling me that jesus had favorites and i said absolutely (laughs) he did now does he love everybody yes but he seemed to have a special level of inclination toward a subset of people Mm -hmm. you can't just you can't dismiss that no biblically yeah it's in there it's in there now he spent more time with peter james and john than he did with the masses Mm -hmm. now one thing that i want to dismantle right now and i've spent my time studying the scriptures a lot Mm -hmm. most people think that the majority of jesus's teaching was happening to humongous crowds of people and that's actually not the case There was the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. There was the feeding of the 5,000. There was the feeding of the 4,000. 
There was that time that Jesus was on a boat Mm -hmm. and he pushed the boat out because the crowd was pressing into him. Mm -hmm. And he spoke to this crowd who was on the shore from a boat. There were times, though these weren't extraordinarily large numbers of people, he was in the temple and was speaking. But hear me out. The number of times that Jesus was speaking to massive crowds of people was very, very, very few in comparison to the amount of time that he spent with the disciples spending life on life. Am I making sense? Yeah, absolutely. And so as we come to this super, super, super practical issues of ministry multiplication, what I want to highlight is that Jesus spent a super amount of time with very few people. Mm. And so again, all of these ministry multiplication things, it seems like we're, we're you know opening up with this super elongated kind of historical narrative to lay the groundwork. And now we're coming to the practical piece. Hey friends, I hope you're enjoying today's podcast and that you are a regular listener. If the podcast is proving to be helpful to you in your ministry, I want to invite you to go deeper. I've created nearly a dozen full-length video courses about all of the major topics for ministry success. Lead volunteers, lead outreach, lead interns, lead productively, and so many more. You can have access to every course I have ever created, plus all of the upcoming courses we are getting ready to create at leadministry.com. I would be honored to be your guide and to take you and your leadership to the next level. Go to leadministry.com to learn more. And if you use the promo code podcast, you can take an additional 20% off. Check it out at leadministry.com. And now back to the podcast. Yeah, and I think maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, some of that practical I guess the when it comes to training and multiplication mm-hmm, mm-hmm. within your own ministry, you're not speaking to everybody in the same way or training everyone no, in the same way. And no. so the the way that you might train the masses, so to speak, your your entire send a little training thing out to your entire right. ministry versus that close mm-hmm. one, two or three people right. who are in the throes with you. Those are different levels of connection. They're different levels of checking in regularly, different levels of training and gatherings and different things like that. And 100%. so there's, there's layers to it and layers that, again, it's not a, an unhealthy favoritism. Nope, it's it is not. A, a biblical framework. framework for how you can multiply yourself based on how Jesus did it in his ministry. That's exactly right, Jeff. Now, the interesting thing is that here's the biggest pitfall that I've seen with leaders all across the country, and it is it is as follows. They think that they should be training everybody, the masses, so they end up training nobody. Hmm. So I, I have to be honest, that was my, that was quick at, uh, moment of, of admitting. When I first started in ministry, I was like, how am I supposed to train all of these people? Mm-hmm. I, and, and then I ended up like getting what I would call paralysis by overanalysis. Yeah. I just got, I just got shut down because I couldn't conceive of how I could train everybody. Yeah. And it didn't take too long before I realized, hello, that's not even the point. You're not supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I began to zero in on but a handful of people. Yeah. 
and somebody might say, who do you pick? I've always had, this is, comes up all the time. Well, who did I pick? I picked those who were already faithful in little. Mm-hmm. Scripture would tell me that they would be faithful in much. They have a winning track record already. They are currently godly, mm-hmm. and they have a level of willingness. That's all I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. They've done something in the past. They have a track record. They're godly, and they're willing. Yeah, and it's not like, it's not a, a day one transformation thing. It's progress. It's over time. Sure. So like Peter or John, I guess, mm-hmm. wasn't, I mean, he started following, and then That's Jesus exactly liked right. it, and then it was a progression of relational building. And so it might start with like, we mentioned in previous episodes with Cameron, I think. Mm-hmm. It was yes, Cameron Burke. You start with the games, and then... That's exactly right. Based on how that goes, you can build on that. You can say, you know what? This suits you well. This is probably where you're at. This so is where we're going to stop. Yeah, continue to be to kill it, be in the games guy. But then you might continue had, to build and Because he had more capacity. Mm-hmm. And so it's... Rec- that's the word. Yeah, recognizing capacity in people mm-hmm. after... Um, uh, an extended period of time of observation mm-hmm. and delegating tasks and seeing testing it how they go mm-hmm. you know the interesting thing jeff is that for many years i was under the mistaken impression that jesus walked up cold to peter and andrew and said come follow me mm-hmm. and they were like holy smokes who's this radical man who has said these intriguing words come follow me and then they drop their nets and follow him this was their first meeting ever mm-hmm. not true mm-hmm. these people like literally jesus had been around and likely knew peter james john andrew for about a year mm-hmm. that's what the historical narrative would say to us yeah so the idea that he just walked up and there were, I've had people even say from the pulpit, well, he must have had some magnanimous personality that they would have dropped. That's not historically true. Mm-hmm. He knew them. They knew him. And it was out of that core group of people who were following him that he ended up selecting them. Mm-hmm. So show me, show me the people in your ministry who are existing and who are around you mm-hmm. and who are good and let's see who we can find um, to call to a, a higher level. Mm-hmm. So this idea is to identify the faithful few. And by the way, I'll never forget one time somebody at a national conference, they raised their hand and they said, hey, what if I have just a whole bunch of duds? Like, what if I don't even have anybody that would be worthy of pouring in? And I said, hey, I want to let you know. I understand. I inherited a bunch of people. I didn't choose them myself, but they were the people that God had placed into these roles. And so what did I do? I had to systematically build them. Mm-hmm. I go to war with the army that I have, not the army that I wished I had. Mm-hmm. And who did the greatest growth through that process? Yours truly, me, Josh, because I learned how to build other people. And were, were they were they perfect? No, who is? Mm-hmm. But together, we did. We made do with what we had. We all grew together, and my leadership grew exponentially. Mm-hmm. By the way, when somebody says, hey, what do I do? I've got a bunch of duds. I refer back to a story of David, David and the mighty men. Mm-hmm. The When David was on the run from Saul, he escaped Jerusalem, went into the mountainsides, and who followed him? The debtors, the disheveled, and 
the disenfranchised. These were not the studs. Mm-hmm. These were the duds. Yeah. And it was through time and intentionality and training and warfare training that those people, the disheveled, the downtrodden, the duds, the debtors, they became David's mighty men. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants David's mighty men, but very few people are willing to put in the elongated, painful amount of time to build them. Yeah, it's easy to get stuck on the results. I know I do that all the time. Another example you think of like Peter, the yes. life of Peter. Yes. How, <clears throat> I mean, you peel it back. Of course, we see the results now. Talk about a dud. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that's I, I, so but like let, how let many, me, how many mistakes did he make along the way? How many just ridiculous things did he say along the way? Yes. How many times did he not have the full picture of what he should be doing and who preached one of the greatest that's first right. resurrection sermons that's, that's ever exactly right. been recorded like and was used tremendously exactly by God. and so again it's part of part of the process is development you you said it well and concisely you go to war with the army you have not the yeah. one you want and the interesting thing is is that l- let me ask this question when jesus came down from uh, matthew 10 of course matthew 9 concludes with Harvest is plentiful, work is a few, therefore go pray to the Lord of the harvest. Jesus goes mm-hmm. to the mountaintop, prays to the Lord of the harvest, comes down, picks the 12. And then he systematically sends them out two by two. Quick question. Was Jesus better than, <laughs> than Peter and whoever was partnered with Peter for that first excursion? Mm-hmm. The answer is yes. <laughs> There's nobody that could do it better than Jesus. Mm-hmm. So why didn't he? Because he was setting up a process that he kicked off into motion that was going to carry on after he had died, rose again, and ascended into heaven. Mm -hmm. He was then going to usher in the ministry of the Holy Spirit to come alongside incapable people. See, Jesus left and went to heaven, and he said, if I don't go, they're like, whoa, 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 don't go, don't go. Mm -hmm. We need your presence. He said, I'm going to send my presence. It's going to be through the Holy Spirit. It's going to be better that I don't. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be multi in a multifaceted way ever present mm-hmm. through the spirit. Yeah. So who could have done it better? Jesus. But that, that wasn't the plan. And so ministry leader out there, if you're kind of lamenting that people can't do it as good as you, uh, I imagine mm-hmm. you've done it longer. But guess what? Dear leader who's listening to the podcast, do you realize that somebody took a risk on you and put your sorry self in the driver's seat mm-hmm. and said, give her a whirl, bud. Mm-hmm. Give her a whirl, gal. And they trusted you and you got the feeling, the, the like elation of the road, right? Mm -hmm. And you yourself got a chance to experience ministry. Well, in the same way, um, we need to do that for somebody else. Mm -hmm. We need to give somebody else an opportunity, though they are not as qualified as us and they are not as gifted as us. Currently, we need to give them a chance. Mm -hmm. Um, and so this idea Uh, really truly in conclusion for today's podcast it's as simple as follows i do this with people all the time who's your 12 who's your three who's your one and i there's one gal that i work with on the regular her 12 is actually six people Mm -hmm. she doesn't have 12 she has six the Mm -hmm. numbers don't matter exactly but she has six people that are her absolute core insiders and then inside of that she has two people who are really 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 close and then she has one so she has the six the two and the one Mm -hmm. It's, it's the concept of having an ever 
smaller group of people into which you're pouring more deeply. It's actually an in, it's inversely proportional. You have fewer people and you're pouring in far more, hmm. right? Few people, far more pour in, mm-hmm. as opposed to tons of people, very little pour in, mm-hmm. right? So what it comes down to, it's as simple as all you have to do is find willing people and invite them to something deeper. Yeah, start start with who you've got. Look That's around, exactly right. who's on your list. And then, again, going back to Peter, the, a lot of um, little trip-ups yep. along the way, whatever you want to call them, and a ton of, of willingness. ton of willingness. Mm-hmm. Now, the interesting thing as we close this particular um, episode, you may be like, well, okay, well, what if I can't find any people? What, is there another way that I could, like, determine how to kick off ministry multiplication? Well, I'm glad you asked <laughs> because our next episode is going to be about the early church and it's going to showcase exactly where you should multiply first. So, gang, I'm grateful that you guys have been with us. This is now our third installment of five about ministry multiplication as seen through the law, the prophets, through the life of Jesus himself, through the early church, and also Paul. Gang, excited that you're here, and we'll catch you on the next one. Well, that wraps up today's podcast. Before we close, would you do us a favor? We need your help to get the word out about the Lead Volunteers podcast. Three simple steps. First, subscribe. Second, leave a comment. And third, share the link to this episode on social media. Thanks again and keep leading your volunteers. Mm -hmm.